This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly show, the Husker Online team will give you the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, baseball, and of course, recruiting. Now, here's your host, Husker Online publisher, Sean Callahan. Hello here and welcome to another edition of the Husker Online Show. It's our post 4th of July show as Sean Callahan, Robert Washett, Nate Klaus. I know all of us are getting ready to embark on some form of vacation, but I hope you guys had a good 4th, um, lit off some fireworks and had a few beers and, and, and some burgers. Did you have a good 4th, Robin? I did all of the above. So, yes, it was a successful 4th of July. Yeah, I, I also partook in, in some, <laughs> some beverages, some burgers, and lots of fun. Well, guys, um, you know, not a lot going on, obviously, uh, within the world of Husker football. It's very quiet. It's probably the quietest time of the year, uh, kind of the calm before the storm. The coaches are all on their vacations, um, no prospects on campus. Uh, but players are still here. They're still going through workouts. And, you know, one of the things I wanted to lead off with this week, I thought it was interesting. I wrote about it in my 3-2-1 as well. Um, one of the freshman players, Cam Jones, posted a picture in what appeared to be a different locker room. And there, and fans were like, where is this locker room at? And um, Jones responded immediately, it's the freshman locker room. We have to earn our stripes before we get a spot in the main locker room. And um, I thought that was a pretty interesting take there and a piece of information that uh, we learned about how Scott Frost is going to maybe run things. Uh, freshman players are now automatically not giving it, given a spot in the main locker room, scholarship guys even included. Uh, they have to go over it now into an auxiliary locker room. And typically this auxiliary locker room was lower-level walk-on players and even some second and possibly third-year walk-ons that um, you know were buried on the depth chart would be kind of stuck in this locker room. Well, it appears now, Nate, under Scott Frost, this new uh, freshman locker room is everybody, um, all freshmen, scholarship, walk-on, um, and they have to kind of earn things now before they get a chance to move into um, w- the, the main locker room in North Stadium. Yeah, it, it seems like it's kind of a throwback to the way it used to be under Tom Osborne and uh, Frank Solich, you know, where they had the old freshman locker room in North Stadium when everything was still in the South Stadium there. Um, every scholarship guy, walk-on guy that was coming into the program, you know, lockered in that in that separate locker room. and. And for the majority of those guys, they they didn't. I mean, they were there for at least one year until they had an opportunity to move into uh, into the the regular locker room. And according to Cam Jones, I don't know what necessarily earn our stripes means. You know, if 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 it means that you can move into the main locker room after you're you know you see some time on the playing field, or if it just means hey, this first year you got to earn your stripes to to get into the main locker room as a as a kind of the start of a new culture, though. Really, yeah, and I think it is. I don't know. I, I, I kind of like it because he's not handing – Scott Frost's not handing anything to these guys. They're, you know, they're, you're kind of setting a standard that, hey, you got to work for what you get. And, um, and at the same time, too, um, you're not separating your scholarship incoming guys from your, from your walk-on incoming guys. All these guys are going through experiencing the same thing at the same time. They're, they're all lockering, you know, in the same locker room, uh, going through everything just the same, whether you're, you're a five-star incoming guy or you're... No you know, discrimination. Yeah, no discrimination. So I, I kind of like it. Um, and, uh, you know, sometimes that, that might be used against Nebraska or, or that might be something that... What if a kid uh, against it? Yeah. Maybe that's not the kind of guy you want. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you want to be a diva and be like, you know what, because I have to be in this second locker room for the first year, I'm not coming there. That's probably not a guy you want on the program anyway, Robin. Yeah. I think that that's just kind of part of the, part of the Frost whole mentality. I mean, 
issue with college athletics in general is these kids are catered to and put on this pedestal at such a young age that when they come to their first year of campus, they expect everything essentially to be handed to them. I mean, first class facilities and basically immediate playing time and to be the star from day one. Well, um, they're setting the tone right away that, again, earn your stripes. I mean, you, you got to come in here and you got to earn your spot within this pre-existing culture that we're building. And, you know, we talked about, you know, from day one, that's what, when Scott Frost got here, was the process of rebuilding Nebraska football's culture and its identity. And that starts with little things like this. You know, on the surface, it might not seem like that much. I mean, it's a different locker room, so what? But it's another instance of them taking uh, different culture. approaches about building culture and establishing this is how it's going to be done. This is what you need to do to be successful here. And if you want to be a part of it, great. And if not, you know, maybe you're better off somewhere else. And it was always, Nate, I can always remember we're doing post-game interviews and, and you can just see there were always like those walk-on guys that had to kind of like walk back to that second locker room by the media and it, I mean I don't want to say it was discriminating or you know just kind of the guys always had their heads down but you know it, it, I know guys that were in that locker room before and they said it always felt like they weren't a part of the regular team where here now they're like this is the freshman now and then the rest are here so um, it, it just has a different feel and I think it's smart because I always did think it was, was kind of a bad deal where you'd have maybe even some second or even a third year walk on that would be in that in that locker room well yeah and, that, and that's always been a selling point for Nebraska and in, in its walk-on program is hey you, you know once you come into the program you're no different than a scholarship guy well that wasn't always necessarily that the was case. more of a sales line yeah, that was kind of that. a sales line because I mean, when you when you looked at this locker room, is a perfect example of that. I mean, there was a, the, clearly a difference, you know, between an incoming scholarship guy and a walk-on guy because that scholarship guy got to go into the the main locker room, the nice locker room uh, that has all the bells and whistles right away. Whereas if you were a scholarship or a walk-on guy, you you had to go in the auxiliary locker room, and and there was no telling for how, you know how long that you may end up lockering in that place. So. Um, there, so there was some differences there, but again, I, I think this is, um, you know, a, a way to, to kind of keep everyone on a, on the same playing field and, and to kind of, um, you know, create some bonds there too, with some of these guys. Well, yeah, that's the point I was going to make too. I mean, the, just establishing that, that bond and that chemistry within a class. So a freshman's all coming together and being in the same locker room together and having to go through that process together. I think that that is a great way of establishing um, just a strength within um, you know, the quote unquote locker room. I mean, that the having to go through things like that um, together as a group from day one, I think is an awesome way to set the tone uh, for the rest of your career. And, you know, it's just kind of that whole, uh, you know, basically any other aspect of life. I mean, uh, you have guys that have to, you know, earn their way through. And then once you do earn your way through together, uh, I think that that just sets the tone for everything else you do through the rest of your career. And so our older listeners will remember that. I mean, Nebraska had the South Stadium locker room years ago, but all the freshmen would be in the North uh, back when they had a freshman team. And they carried, you know, they would take over 100 freshmen a year back then. So they, uh, But it used to be a big deal if you got called up in the middle of the year to go from the North to the South. Um, it was kind of a famous deal where guys would walk across the field um, from the north to the south with all their equipment, and um, it was a badge of honor to get that call up mm -hmm. to the south. And I don't know if it's going to be exactly like that, but um, you know, similar concept at least. And and you know, Robin, before we kind of wrap up this first segment, uh, we're going to talk plenty of football here throughout the show, but some basketball stuff I wanted to get to you. Um, a few things you reported and some things you saw this week at practice. Yeah. So. Uh, 
while back I was able to check out one of the workouts and you know they're, they're just kind of going through some real light practice work it's not like they're going on a full-on uh, practice session um, but there's some definitely some interesting things uh, you know obviously uh, first and foremost uh, the update on the Isaiah Roby situation um, uh, the practice I was actually at he came down on his heel pretty hard um, it was just a bruise in his heel which, sound the alarm yeah so I mean the good news is that it's July and it was like I think July 3rd that that news came out and um, worst case scenario you have four months to recover from a bone bruise which is generally a at most six week recovery time frame so um, he'll be fine nothing to see there the MRI came back and confirmed what they already expected that it was a bone bruise so he's fine um, Jordy Shimanga obviously had some cleanup surgery in his knee so he's not doing a lot right now they're being careful with him um, so I mean it's, it's disappointing you know that those both those guys are gonna have to miss some time and some workouts but um, definitely nothing to be overly concerned about long term but as far as the actual team goes uh, a couple things you know i was able to see some of those newcomers for the first time and uh, Deshaun burke is a really interesting player uh, the transfer from robert morris not going to play this year um, but what i'm really intrigued to watch is how he and james palmer make each other better over the course of this season in practice um, Deshaun is a relentless defender and if anybody can need that every day in practice is james palmer because he's going to get um everything Burke has to offer every single day, every single rep. And the coaches are intentionally putting those two against each other as much as possible. So the whole iron sharpens iron philosophy, you know, at the same time, Deshaun's going to get a whole lot better because of that. I'm um, going against first team, all big 10 player as well. So uh, that, that is something I think is going to pay off big dividends uh, over the course of the season for both players. Um, Amir Harris, uh, he's a true freshman and he is as put together of a freshman guard as I've seen in a while. Uh, physically, he looks the part. And honestly, you know, he came in as a point guard. I think he's probably going to see more time as a wing and as an off guard uh, just because of his physical makeup. Um, he can play the point, certainly, but probably more like an Evan Taylor type to where, uh, yeah, where he's, you know, can play the point at times, but he's going to be more as that off guard uh, defender type. So um, I'm trying to think of anybody else. And Isaiah Roby, before that injury, I'm telling you this. If you had no idea about Nebraska basketball, had no idea who any of the players were, and you just showed up at practice just to watch, you would think not only is he your best player, but he is by far your best NBA prospect. He looks as good as I've ever seen him, and assuming he can stay healthy, he's in for a big year, I'm telling you that. Well, we're going to spend a lot of time talking about Nebraska basketball this year, but uh, just a quick summer update there from Robin. All right, when we come back, um, we're going to shift back over to our top 40 Husker list. As we're in the top 30 now, as we're going to talk about players number 29 through 26 here as uh, we continue to look at the key Huskers going into this 2018 season for Nebraska. That's next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus as getting closer to the start of fall camp. And uh, every summer we do our top 40 Huskers segment. And last week we unveiled on the show here uh, the key Huskers, um, basically numbers 30 to 40. Today we're going to talk about our key players, number 20 to 30. Uh, we'll start actually at number 29 uh, for Nebraska, as uh, we had a we had a little voting error, and Robin, I'm I'm going to give you the uh, July Mulligan on this one. Uh, so we're we're 26 through 29. We're not going to have five players on this list, but uh, some pretty key players uh, to discuss here. And guys, I'm going to argue on this one here. Uh, Freedom Akamaladun 
He's at number 26, and this is a guy that's going to be going into his fourth year as a starter for Nebraska. Um, so he, he's 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 the top of today's list, and we'll, we'll get to that. But let's start um, uh, let's start at the the very very top here, number twenty nine, uh, cornerback Will Jackson, a newcomer. Robin, um, how did the voting come out on Will Jackson? Well, um, you and Greg Peterson were two of the higher uh, voters on Will Jackson. Uh, you had him at twenty seventh overall. Greg had him all the way up at 13th, which uh, skewed a bit of the voting a little bit where GP. I, I had him at 36, Nate had him at 33, and Mike had him at 35. And honestly, I think a lot of Will Jackson's votes impacted a guy like Eric Lee um, because I think at least me and I'm sure guys like Greg and maybe even yourself, Sean, uh, are assuming Will Jackson is going to quickly vault up the cornerback depth chart is probably going to compete for potentially a starting job if he's the type of player that uh, a lot of people think he can be. So I think that was a big reason why he was instantly included in this poll and more so why he's already uh, being considered a top 30 player by our staff despite having never even played a, a single snap here at Nebraska. Well, as far as <clears throat> my voting on Will Jackson goes, I mean – after seeing him in person, um, there's no doubt in my mind he's going to be able to, to help out that secondary with as thin as it really is. Uh, the biggest question, though, for me is, is just how much help is he going to be able to provide right out of the gate? Is he going to be a guy that can take someone's job right away, or is he just going to be uh, kind of more of a, a depth guy right away um, and can kind of fill in for, you know, a Lamar Jackson or, or an Eric Lee when they need that? Or, or you know, is he, can, he, can he play some nickel if they need to go that route or whatever? So um, there's no question he's going to play this year. It's just with me how much and how important important is he for this uh, for this secondary now when I was looking at him and Eric Lee I put Eric Lee higher because I feel like he, they need Eric Lee to perform at a higher level this season um, but we've I, seen Eric Lee and what he can do and that's my concern like yeah. he hasn't I mean he's gotten the opportunities well we haven't seen Will Jackson and what he can do so we don't know what he could do so that's why I put I'm Eric just going Lee off there. what Travis Fisher told yeah. me and and I, I think there's some real concern about what they had on this roster I mean that is Clearly. to me that from day one the biggest when when you're having walk-ons as like your third or fourth corner in the spring mm -hmm. i mean nothing again but it was not an ideal situation no. yeah it's, yeah i don't think you could uh understate or, or overstate just how thin mm -hmm. that that position group is as a whole it will be interesting to see um he will be one of those newcomers and it will once again solidify the point nebraska should have been taking juco players all along yep. if he comes in and does something all right number 28 Another Juco guy, Mike Williams. I wrote about him in my 3-2-1 this week. As far as strength and conditioning goes, he's had one of the better off-seasons of anybody, especially for a newcomer. Um, you see Zach Duvall, um, you know, post about Mike Williams all the time. He's gained weight. He's gotten stronger. He hurdles over trucks and cars. And I mean, he, the guy is just a freak athlete. I mean, all the pictures that they show of him jumping over all these. I mean, how, how, how are those? How, how, can I talk? How high are these hurdles that he's jumping over in some of these pictures? I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, he's a freak athlete. Uh, apparently he reported a, almost a 4.37 in the 40. Uh, I mean, he's a guy that was an instant impact guy this spring. Uh, you know, clearly going to push for a lot of snaps and was brought in to do so. Uh, and, you know, what's what I'm curious to see is uh, just, you know, with the depth they already have at receiver, you know, how I mean, they have so many weapons. Is there going to be enough footballs to go around with these guys? But the interesting part of this voting is, so Sean, you had him at 25th. I had him at 22nd. Greg had him at 20th. 
are two recruiting guys not as high on Mike Williams. Nate, you had him at 35th, 31st. 31st. Mike Mattia didn't even have him ranked. Come on, Mike. So, uh, Nate, g- give me your explanation as to why you have Mike Williams, who could potentially be one of Nebraska's top receivers at 31st. Well, I am high on Mike Williams. I know the, the ranking doesn't necessarily show that, but – I put him where I put him because, just as you said, the depth there. So how many footballs mm-hmm. are there to go around, especially when you're talking about somebody who I think is going to be playing more of that slot position? Uh, you have J.D. Spielman. You have a, a, a Tyjon Lindsey. Um, you also have to factor in a Jerron Woodyard into the mix mm-hmm. uh, in Mike Williams. You've got like four guys that all kind of fit that same type of receiver. that kind of have the same size, the same skill set. Uh, so, so you know, to me, when I looked at it, I had to rank, okay, the, the value of all four of those guys. And I think Mike Williams kind of came out on the lower end of that. And I wouldn't be surprised if he has a, a ton of production this year. I do think uh, that he's a heck of a receiver, a heck of a pickup. I mean, this is a guy who was out on the market um, that they got. I mean, they brought him in that first weekend after the dead period, um, and he basically just stayed on campus. School had already started. He was essentially a free agent and, and could start right away. So hat tip to Ryan Held once again on, on finding this guy. But, uh, you know, to me it's just it boils down to where how much of an impact is he going to have at a position or out of uh, you know, the type of receiver that, that Nebraska has a handful of. Yeah, his um, stats, though, when he, w- he was the leading receiver for East Mississippi, I mean, that, that got my attention immediately. And then when he told me he was the second fastest guy on that roster, and you know there's some speed on that roster, uh, he can run. And I think he's going to benefit from the attention the other receivers get. So uh, keep your eyes on Mike Williams. All right, Tyron Ferguson, another guy, number 27, Robin. Um, a lot of us kind of all over the board again. Yeah, all um, over the map. From not ranked all the way up to 15th. Um, but coming out of the spring, outside linebackers coach Jovan DeWitt told me um, that he would be right now a projected starter. Yeah. And so, you know, I think it goes back to the argument of, uh, you know, he's a guy in his junior season that we've, you know, been waiting for him to finally turn that corner and it just hasn't happened. And probably a lot of that has to do with scheme. You know, I think a lot of those linebackers suffered because of um, some issues with the past two uh, schemes that Nebraska was running defensively. But um, I think physically he has all the tools. There's no question about that. I mean, he played in 10 games as a true freshman and he looked like he was well on his way to becoming a fixture on that defense. But you know, he redshirted that next year uh, and really just hasn't got his footing back since then but you know like you said it seems seems to be um you know thriving in this new defense javon DeWitt loves him uh and so uh, sean you had him at 24th i had him down at 34th and i think a lot of that is again uh, i'm just waiting for him to finally do it and if he does uh, have the type of year that you know he's potentially capable of uh that we're probably going to be in a good spot with him but greg didn't have him ranked mike had him at 15th and nate you had him at 20th all right, we got one more guy to get to. to run it. We're running against the clock here. Freedom Akamaladun, guys, um, kind of all over the board. I had him as high as 16th. Greg had him at 10. Um, Mike, 37th. Um, Nate and Robin at 32. This is a guy going into his fourth year as a starter. Um, made some lofty sack expectations. Um, I think he needs seven and a half sacks to be in the top 10 all-time at Nebraska. Hmm. Um, but you guys had him at 32. Why? Uh, again, it's because we haven't seen him do much since his freshman year. I mean, he had four and a half sacks in his first five games and really hasn't done a whole lot since. And so can he be that productive edge rusher that we were all waiting him to be? 
I don't know. I think he's definitely got that potential. And Sean, you had him ranked lower, but made a late change before the final voting went in and had bumped. I him got up, some intel. Bumped him up to 16th. So there's definitely some some smoke there that I'm interested to see how it plays out. Yeah, we had one sack last year, so they they obviously yeah. they need him that's crazy to be a guy. Yeah. It is crazy. Uh, but, again, I think that speaks to the scheme. Uh, you almost have to throw last year out. Like a guy like Tyron Ferguson. Yeah, for a lot of those guys. I mean, yeah, he, Tyron redshirted and then last year didn't produce. But did anyone really Nobody produce? Produced. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you almost have to throw last year out. I, I kind of, it, he, But you also have to count it. I, I don't know. I, I'm up in the air on, on freedom. I, I think they, they obviously need him. But what, what exactly is he going to do? I he's, don't know. He's in the best shape of his life, squatting yeah. well over 700 pounds. So maybe. Maybe this is the year it His body has been the issue. I, I think he, he gained too much weight and lost speed. Mm-hmm. And when he came in as a true freshman out of Kansas City, you could see the athletic ability there. But yeah. I think he added too much weight too fast, and, and he lost that step uh, that maybe he had when he was younger trying to get bigger, especially for the 3-4 defense. But I think he'll be a surprise guy. Um, they still don't have enough players up front, I know, for the scheme to make it work. But – uh, we shall see. I think that defensive line could be one of the more under-the-radar units on this football team. All right, when we come back, we're going to continue the discussion of our top 40 Huskers. Uh, we'll go through our next five players. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washit, Nate Klaus making our way through this holiday week. We're back to work here. I know a lot of you guys are off this week, but we still wanted to bring you a show. And uh, we're going through now players 25 through 21 as we discuss our top 40 Huskers going into this 2018 season. And um, let's start with number 25, guys. Running back, uh, Mikael Wilbon. I mean, he arguably um, left spring, maybe co-number one, maybe number one. Um, You know, right there with Greg Bell, though, as kind of the top running back for Nebraska um, we had wide voting once again uh, when you have five people voting. Greg Peterson. Uh, I want to know who Greg actually voted for because yeah. Mikel Wilbon was not on the list, um, despite the fact he was number one coming out of the spring with Greg Bell. Nate had him all the way up at number 10. Yeah, so going into spring ball, I was thinking that Wilbon was going to push for a starting job and might be the front runner just because I didn't know what Greg Bell was going to bring. But as spring ball went through, and especially after that spring game, I personally think Greg Ball, Greg Bell is in prime position to be the number one back. And so where does that put the rest of that running back crew? I mean, you got a lot of uh, experienced guys. Well, and Trey Bryant. Zigbo, and we don't know what Trey Bryant's going to be. And then obviously Jalen Bradley's in, in the conversation there as well. So um, they have a lot of bodies there, but I think ultimately they want to find that one uh, workhorse feature back. You look at when this – the Frost, Oregon, Chip Kelly offense has been at its best. They've had that 1,000-plus yard rusher um, who's kind of carrying the load in the running game. And so I just don't know what that's going to do to the rest of that running back depth chart, which is why I had him uh, much lower than Nate, but maybe you can give some different takes on that. Well, yeah, I I had him at 10th largely because I don't feel comfortable with any of the other running backs that I've seen. Now, I haven't really seen a whole lot of Greg Bell, and and I – you know, spoiler alert, I had Greg Bell ranked higher than Mikel Wilbon. What? Yes. But um, <laughs> but I still think that Mikel Wilbon is going to have to be or need to be an important part of this offense because we don't we don't really know 
what everyone else can give or what what they can do. Uh, and especially, you know, coming out of the spring game or after the spring game, I was really disappointed with what I saw out of Divino Zigbo. So I basically, you know, kind of threw him out um, uh, of the discussion when I'm when I'm ranking these running backs. Um, you know, I'm not saying that he's not going to be able to produce for Nebraska, mm-hmm. but uh, I'm not as high on him as I had been in the past. So uh, I, I think that Nebraska, to get the running game going, I think they're going to have to rely on more than just one running back this season. Um, and, and for that reason, I ranked Mikhail Wilbon uh, at number 10. You, I'll say this about Wilbon. During the spring, he almost looked too big. I mean, you look at the picture of him in our story right now. It's the Rutgers game in Lincoln. I guess that would have been this past season. You look at him now compared to then. His arms were like so rocked up. And the one thing that worried me about Wilbon is he had so many opportunities to maybe make a bigger run and he couldn't do it. The Minnesota game particularly, there were a couple where the blocking was perfect. All he had to do was lift his feet up, and he's probably scoring a touchdown, and, and he couldn't do it. So that's where I, I worry a little about about Mikel because he's not really been a home run back, and, and this offense needs that. So we will see. Let's move on, though. Lou Gifford, guys, uh, number 24 on the list, somebody um, who you know had a huge spring the year before, huge fall camp. Uh, then got hurt kind of later on in the year, and he's battled injury his whole career. And I think that's the only thing that has him this low on our list, guys, is the durability and the ultimate trust factor of kind of can Luke Gifford play an entire season for Nebraska? I think physically he's more than capable of being a very good linebacker in this defense, but he has yet to take a single practice rep in this defense because he missed all spring uh, with, you know, recovered from that injury. And so we just don't know right now where he – fits in uh, to the linebacker pecking order. But um, as far as voting goes, it was probably the closest thing to a consensus as we're going to get. Sean, uh, myself, and Greg Peterson all had him at 23rd. Nate, you had him up at 19th, and Mike had him down at 34th. And I'm guessing a lot of that has to do with that injury and just not knowing kind of where he sits on that linebacker totem pole. But I think from a just ability standpoint, he is more than good enough to not only be a a regular player in the rotation, but potentially push for a starting job. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I I think that when I look at Luke Gifford, I mean, last year he he was playing at a really high level mm-hmm. uh, before before he got hurt, uh, and he was making big plays, and that's what this defense needs. They need somebody who can make big plays, and and he's uh, up to the size of a normal linebacker now, but he still has some of those those coverage abilities of a safety because that's what he came in as uh, to the program. He came in as a safety originally, and and so I, I think that skill set is going to serve him well. I know that, like you said, Robin, he has yet to take a a practice rep in this defense but Lou Gifford is a smart kid he's been very involved uh, he's been taking mental reps if if you want to use that that buzzword uh, throughout the spring but um, I feel like Lou Gifford has got an opportunity to kind of make a splash when he, now that he's coming back from his injury all right guys at number 23 and 22 we have a pair of safeties on this team right now uh, for Nebraska Antonio Reed at number 23 um, the voting on him was anywhere from 15th all the way to 37th. Nate had Antonio the lowest ranked, um, and we'll get to that in a second. And then Deontay Williams, number 22, um, anywhere from 10, and I had him at 32nd. Um, so I, I think the biggest question, I guess, first, Nate, a guy that's a projected starter, Antonio Reed, why did you have him barely in your top 40? Well, because he's a senior, and what has Antonio Reed really done outside of a really good performance in the Foster Farms Bowl mm-hmm. a few years and ago? And a practice fight with Alex Lewis. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, seriously, what has he done? He hasn't. He hasn't. He hasn't produced, and so 
for that reason, I, I Nebraska's gotten by this far without needing Antonio Reed. So I, I think that there's going to be somebody like a Cam Jones or Deontay, who, Williams. or Deontay Williams that can come in and give Nebraska more than what Antonio Reed has been able to do. Yeah, and so that's why I had Deontay Williams higher than anyone by far at 10th overall um, in, in my voting because I think that – one, his versatility. I mean, he's a guy that I think could start at three different positions in that secondary if need be. Uh, but I, he's a headhunter. He's got that aggressive, just physical ability. He's got speed to go with it. Uh, and I think just he, he brings everything to the table that this coaching staff wants in a safety. And you give that, you know, the factor in that he's got a three-year player, you know, as a JUCO transfer. Um, I think the ceiling is very, very high for him. And I think as a result, a guy like Antonio Reed is going to, his playing time is going to suffer because of it. Yeah, um, you, ne- you never heard the staff really rave about Antonio Reed, but he's kind of been there, a veteran. Um, but it will be interesting. It, it will be something to watch. Deontay Williams, though, uh, I'm intrigued by him and, and what he can do and just his versatility, as you mentioned. And um, they are going to start him off at safety. Travis Fisher told me they don't want to load his plate up with too much. He can play corner, he can play nickel or safety, but right now it's just safety because they don't want to confuse the guy and give him too many things to worry about, just worry about one thing. So that kind of tells me, number one, Aaron Williams' shoulder, they're kind of worried about that. Mm-hmm. And then maybe number two, they think that he could – unseat an Antonio Reed or one of those guys back there yeah I think it's definitely within the realm of possibility and again I'm I'm as high as anyone on Deontay Williams and I think he's going to thrive in this defense yeah I couldn't agree more with you on Deontay Williams I he's and he plays with that that type of you know physical nature they had to tell him to tone it back in practice this spring because he was hitting guys too hard I mean when was the last time we've heard that from a safety (laughs) outside of Nate Geary Another JUCO guy. Yep. I mean, and it's just mind-boggling when you think about the last three years. There were no JUCO recruits on this roster. When you, we've seen just the impact these guys have made in a few months at yes, Nebraska, what, less than six months. All right, and then lastly, number twenty-one, tight end Jack Stahl, the number one far and away tight end on this roster coming out of the spring, um, anywhere from sixteenth to thirtieth. Um, I had him the lowest um, just because I, I don't put a lot of value on the tight end. I, I just don't know what this tight end is going to really do in this offense, but I do think Jack Stahl is going to have a good year. Well, and he's got the ability to play as your traditional end blocking tight end, and he's also made a show that he can go on the perimeter too and be a pretty good receiver. So, again, I think just his impact is going to suffer because of all the weapons they have in the passing game, but he's going to play a lot. Um, and if even if it's more as an end line blocker, uh, that's fine. I mean, Jack Stoll is going to be the number one tight end by a pretty large margin, and what impressed me uh, as much as anything was the leadership role that he took on. I mean, that was a young tight end group. And as a sophomore, he came in there and took hold uh, of basically being the vocal leader of that group. And uh, I think that's only going to continue to build as he gets older. So we'll see what his production is as far as the near future. But I think long-term, Jack Stoll is going to be a staple in this offense for years to come. Yeah, the tight end produced quite a bit, actually, at UCF last year. So he I think drafted. He's, yeah, uh, so I think that Jack Stoll is going to have plenty of opportunities. And like you said, he's by far and away the number one tight end. I don't. I think there's there's a large margin between number one and, and the rest of the pack. So Jack Stoll and the leadership abilities, I, I think that he's going to play a much larger role in this offense than, than we all probably think right now. All right, when we come back, we're going to shift over to recruiting in our next two segments as Nate Klaus and I are going to give an update on just the state of the offensive class, and we'll talk about what Nebraska still needs and some of the key targets out there in our next two segments. Uh, You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. 
You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan and Nate Klaus as we're going to talk some offensive class here now in the next two segments in our holiday 4th of July week edition of the Husker Online Show. And kind of wanted to use this this week and next week as a point to kind of catch our breath, look at the recruiting class, uh, what they currently have, and then what they, they need and some of the big targets going forward. And um, let's first start kind of looking at the offensive numbers and, and where Nebraska is at. The Huskers currently sit in eight uh, with 11 commits total in the class. Uh, but when you look at it, it's, it's pretty heavily slanted right now towards the offense and kind of what they have on paper in this class. Yeah, seven of the 11 commits are, are, are fall on the offensive side of the football. Um, and you've got some big pieces. You know, obviously the quarterback commit of each class is kind of the, you know, I don't know if I'd say the, the crown jewel each and every year, but is always an important piece of every recruiting class. They have that uh, kind of in the bag with Luke McCaffrey. Um, in the running back position, they've got three current running backs committed. Uh, a couple of offensive linemen that I really like with uh, Desmond Bland and Matthew Anderson. Um, you know, Bland is a Juco guy, that, so he's going to be able to come in and play immediately, and, and he could legitimately play anywhere up front, but most likely will be slated to take over as, uh, as the center uh, following this season. And then Matthew Anderson, kind of the underrated offensive tackle uh, prospect that – it's got a fascinating story. You know, I mean, Nebraska was by far and away his largest uh, offer. But he was, I mean, he was a guy who, you know, I think his ceiling is so high. It's just ridiculous. He was playing, he's a tight end that moved to offensive tackle, played at about 225, 230 pounds as a junior last year. And so that, I think that really hampered his recruitment. But he's up to 250 already. He is a solid 252, not an ounce of, of bad weight on that kid. Um, and and then all the the intangibles that, that he has as far as uh, being basically a 4-0 student an Eagle Scout, uh, you know he volunteers for the de- developmentally disabled. I mean he does he he's he's just unbelievable. So um, you know and, and then Jamie Nance uh, that they just added the wide receiver out of Oklahoma. I mean a legit 10-5, 10-4, 100-meter guy, um, ridiculous speed. Um, that uh, that they're just can, can, continuing to stockpile all the speed on, on the offensive side of the football. So, uh, you know, I like where they're at with, with the offensive side of the football so far. Seven out of 11 commits, you can't really argue with that. Um, and I think they've they've really hit on a, a lot of key key spots, but uh, still plenty of work to do. As as I think that they're going to be signing uh, at least another full class this year, anywhere from twenty three to, to I wouldn't even be surprised if it goes a little over twenty five. To be honest with you, you. Know, I, I still think what jumps out to me the most already are the number of skill guys they've added. I mean, you've got three players listed as running backs: Ronald Tompkins, Thomas Grayson, Ramir Johnson. You mentioned Jamie Nance. You've got the quarterback, uh, Luke McCaffrey. Um, but just the the pure number of skill guys they've added. Uh, I wrote about it this week. Last year, they took a total of nine backs and receivers. That's as many as you're going to see in yeah. one class. And they're going to push that. They, they may not take nine this year, but it's going to be seven, eight. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be the number of backs and receivers for a second class in a row. It's, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, they're really – I mean – I mean, it's pretty obvious they're f- trying to flip the, those positions or infuse a lot of speed there. I mean, that uh, it's there's there's no doubt that that was a big question mark of theirs as they took over the program is is what's the speed like at our skill spots and and based off of what they. 
uh, added last year and then what they're adding so far this year and then the recruits that they're targeting still um, you know that the speed is is right at the very top with all these guys each and every one of the players that, that are committed right now are home run type of hitters uh, they're they're guys that can make big plays and can take it to the distance I mean all these guys really when you look at it, either the running backs or the wide receiver and Jamie Nance they're all legit track speed guys uh, that run you know sub 10 8 I think electronic this, yeah the lowest you know the I'm not sure about Ronald Tompkins because I don't think he's run track in a couple of years but all of these skill guys are are you know the slowest guy is a 10 800 meter guy electronic I mean that's <laughs> that's fast uh, and, and then you have Nance who's run you know sub 10 5 before so um, you know all these guys they have legit speed and that translates to the football field too they're not just track guys that they're bringing in that that are kind of one-trick ponies that are going to be able to just stretch the football field but not you know not have ball skills or, or be able to to put moves on on people and, and kind of make plays in the in the open field they're they're football players too and, and so I like the I like the the strategy there uh, but yeah there's no there's no doubt they're trying to really flip the speed on this team and especially at that running back and wide receiver positions. Can they really keep all three backs? So, I mean, I think everyone's asking that question, man, three guys listed as running backs right now with Ramir Johnson and Ronald Tompkins uh, being the latest, and then Thomas Grayson. Um, I mean, that's, that's rare to to be able to keep that many. I know they use them differently with the duck R and other positions, but um, what's your read on why there are three running backs and can they keep all three? Well, I don't know. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they end up signing three, but I would be, as of today, I would be surprised if the three that they sign come February um, it, are the three that are currently committed. I, I, because they're still, not only do they have three committed, they're still recruiting some other guys that kind of fall into that category, like a Wandale Robinson, for instance. Uh, is another running back slash duck R, you know, receiver type of guy. Uh, and I know they can get extremely creative with, with how exactly how they use all these guys, but they all kind of, I mean, at the end of the day, they all have a similar skill set. And I think Ronald Tompkins is actually maybe the more, you know, all-round running back, the true kind of workhorse running back out of this group, even though they've talked to him about playing the duck R position. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's interesting uh, how they're how they're kind of going about it. I don't know exactly what they're telling all these guys as far as you know how they're planning to be utilized um, or exactly how all their touches are going to come. Uh, but the the bottom line is that they like how this offense can kind of play to their skill sets. Um, you know, I, I think that if there are if there is somebody out of this group that you you kind of have some sort of concern about, or there's been some fire or some smoke or, or surrounding, is is a Thomas Grayson. Um, I know about a month ago there was some talk that Thomas Grayson could be getting close to landing an offer from Oklahoma, uh, you know, which is his his in-state school or one of the in-state schools there uh, where he's from. So. And, and I think that's probably the team that you really have to worry about if if they do offer that, that he you know that might be a, a team that, that can pull him away from his commitment to Nebraska 
but he's he's been active on Twitter uh, about Nebraska's recruiting class. He he has said that he's still very very solid to Nebraska. I've talking with some uh, some Oklahoma guys recently that said that yeah there was some some talk about him possibly earning an offer. Uh, back in in May at some point in May but it looks like the Sooners may may have pumped the brakes on that a little bit and they're they're kind of waiting on some big fish like a Noah Kane you know a couple five-star running backs that they're after uh, before they go ahead and do anything with the in-state prospects so um, it's it's going to be pretty fascinating to see how it all boils down but um, you know, I, I think that regardless, if they lose a Thomas Grayson or somebody like that, I'm not worried in the least bit about uh, the staff's ability to kind of replace a guy like that. All right, when we come back, we're going to shift the discussion over now to what Nebraska needs and wants. Maybe Nate's key list of five or so targets that you want to keep your eyes on here on offense. That's all next here. You're listening to the Oscar Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment here of the Husker Online show, Sean Callahan and Nate Klaus as we are talking recruiting, big picture stuff here as we sit really in the midway point of things for Nebraska. Coaches are on a break. We're in the dead period. Huskers have 11 commits. Uh, So we wanted to take a chance to kind of look at everything from a big picture. We just went through where they're at with commits on the offensive class. Now let's get to what they really need, Nate. And I think for me, I know number one, one of the biggest things is that they still need some offensive tackles. And, you know, we, we've, we've talked about ju- Juco guys maybe or what they're going to do. But um, I feel like we talk about offensive tackle all the time. But that, that has been a position where Nebraska just has not been able to get a lot of quality over the last maybe five to seven plus years of recruiting. Yeah, really. I mean, outside of Brendan Hymas uh, a couple years ago, I mean, and then you know Matt Farniok, they they that went, they won a big recruiting battle there. But I mean, the consistency at that position over the last, I mean, ten years probably is is lacked uh, severely. And and I think that's you know that's definitely a focus of Nebraska's in this recruiting class is to uh, to not only you know build more depth along the offensive line in general, but to really add some depth and possibly you know a JUCO prospect or two um, at that offensive tackle position that can come in and, and you know play right away and, and, and at the very least create some depth right away and allow them to, to maybe switch a few bodies around to get the best five offensive linemen on the football field at the same time so um, you know they have two offensive linemen committed already in Desmond Bland and Matthew Anderson um, like I said in the last segment, Bland will probably be coming in as a as a center. Uh, Matthew Anderson as an offensive tackle, but you know he's definite. He's a definite red shirt guy. Um, you know, and, and I think that there's a heavy 500 mile radius uh, flavor here when, when you're talking about offensive tackles uh, at, at that uh, um, to to kind of fill out their needs there. Uh, I mean, you have Danielson Ek, who's a, a four star out of uh, out of Kansas City Rockhurst High School. Uh, who's now visited twice and it looks like they they you know it looked like in the spring that maybe they were backing off of him but he came back on another visit just uh, about three weeks ago um, and they rolled out the red carpet for him and they brought in a handful of of different academic advisors to talk with him about his academic situation because he he did uh, you know come to America from Nigeria Uh, so he's he's technically an international student uh, and and he had a bunch of questions about all that uh, you know how that's going to play out and um, you know, he wants to go into international entrepreneurship. And so he had a bunch of questions uh, for, for Nebraska's uh, you know, College of Business and everything. And, and Nebraska, 
and got all those people together and, and, you know, sat him down with Danielson, EK and, and they answered all those questions for him. So I think to me that the effort that they put in tells me that, that they're kind of back on, on board with him. Grant Traber out of South Dakota is another guy. What's uh, he thinking right now? Well, you know, I think Nebraska was right at the top of his list. He took an unofficial visit recently to Oregon uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, actually, they may have been an official. I need to double check that. But regardless, he took a visit to Oregon and that went extremely well. So right now the Ducks are a major player for him. Um, and that's kind of the biggest offer that he had or one of the bigger offers he has out of the Midwest or outside of the Big Ten Conference or Big 12 Conference. And uh, and they definitely have his attention. So uh, we'll see what happens there. But I think that uh, I think Nebraska is still very much a player for Grant Traber. And so uh, and then you've got a Juco guy, Bamadeli Olaseni out of uh, Garden City. Uh, who to me, based off of the Juco offensive tackles that I've watched on film, to me, he's the best out there. Uh, I think that he's going to end up being a guy that has 30 to 40 offers. He's 6'7", 6'8", uh, 330 pounds. December grad as well? Yeah, December grad. Uh, I mean, this kid, I mean, if you can draw up an offensive tackle, a big athletic offensive tackle, this is how you draw him up. He's going to be he's going to be making a lot of money in the NFL in just a couple of years. So uh, I think that he's got to be as far as JUCO offensive tackle targets. I think he's got to be right at the top of Nebraska's board. Uh, in fact, I, I'm fairly certain he is. So uh, the the bad thing is he wasn't able to come up with a lot of those Garden City guys for the spring game uh, because you have to be on campus at, at, when you, when you enroll at a junior college. You have to be on campus for a certain amount of time before you can take any unofficial visits and so uh, he was unable to to come up with a bunch of those Garden City guys but uh, coach Jeff Sims is at Garden City now he has a history of kind of you know sending some guys to Nebraska I know that he and Ryan Held have a have a long-standing relationship uh, as as he does with a handful of other guys too I know Javon DeWitt knows Jeff Sims very well from uh, from their time at FAU I believe and uh, so there's a lot of connections there, but to me, offensive tackle is still the, probably the biggest need going forward, and, and there's plenty of guys from right around the surrounding states here for Nebraska to, to kind of pull from. Yeah, as far as the skilled players go, you know, the, the, the running back receiver type guy, I mean, how many more can they really take, one or two more? Or? Well, out of that running back or the duck R position, I, I think probably just one more, honestly. Wondell Robinson. Well, yeah, Wondell Robinson, to me, would be, you know, right at the top of that, that, those guys. Uh, he's already set up his official visit. Uh, so that, to me, that, that means that he's a priority to Nebraska, uh, that they've lined that trip up and already. And it's for the opener. And it's for the opener right away, right out of the gate. So that, that to me, signifies that, that Wondell Robinson is, is still a priority at that running back slash duck R position, whatever you want to call him. Uh, you know, I, I think that – so he's he's right there. I know Darwin Barlow is a four-star running back that, that just uh, announced his – his, you know, cut his list down to a top eight or whatever it was. And, and uh, he's very high on Nebraska. Uh, you had some Nebraska recruits retweeting his, his, you know, top eight, you know, edit or whatever. Uh, so I, I think that a lot of times when that happens, that's kind of a coordinated effort to get the commits involved with, uh, with recruiting an uncommitted guy. Uh, so those are two players that kind of fit that running back slash duck R spot that, that I think Nebraska is still actively pursuing. Now, as far as 
the wide receiver position. They have one in Jamie Nance. I think that we're going to see them probably add probably two more wideouts in this class. And, and uh, you've got you've got some intriguing targets there. Jamison Williams out of St. Louis is probably the number one guy for for me uh, when I look at at who they're recruiting. Um, the, the you know. How the the guys that they seem to be going after really really hard. I think Jamison Williams is is right there. Uh, he just recently put Nebraska in his top five. Has taken some official visits in June, and and so far Nebraska has kind of survived that. You know they they did miss out on some guys uh, who took officials in June and made some early decisions. Uh, but I think that uh, you know Jamison has, has said that he's planning on visiting Nebraska coming out of the dead period, and will probably more than likely ta- be taking an, an official visit as well. So I think that's uh, that's important. Uh, and I know he went down to the five star challenge. He was at the opening and just tore things up, uh, you know, at, at both of those events. So, uh, so I think that's that's uh, a good sign for Nebraska if they could get a guy like Jameson Williams out of the St. Louis area. That may just be what the Huskers need to kind of kickstart things in that area as well and then Nate lastly one guy I wanted to ask about tight end particularly Chris Hickman from Omaha Burke I mean nobody really has a read on what's going on but he clearly has to be a priority for Nebraska I mean there's no doubt he's he's a priority they're probably only going to take one tight end in this class and I think Hickman is that guy Uh, and he's I mean, he, along with uh, Henrich, you know, being in-state guys, uh, they're they're at the top of the board. I know that the staff is recruiting both of those guys heavily, uh, and Hickman has got to be got to be the main target there. And there's definitely going to be a lot to follow here for Nebraska in recruiting over the next few weeks, as uh, they'll have several prospects on campus in September, and this offensive class has definitely started to take hold. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. 